I don't think very many leaders know that that extra mile, that extra conversation, just creating space to listen is vital for those employees to really blossom. Hi, I'm Nils Spinya, and you're listening to the B2B Leadership Podcast, a show dedicated to demystifying leadership development one conversation at a time. Each week, I sit down with leaders in the B2B space to discuss their journey and what they've learned along the way. This podcast is brought to you by the B2B Leaders Academy. The cost of not consistently developing your leadership skills is enormous. And the B2B Leaders Academy features monthly leadership training and live coaching. Being a great leader isn't hard. You just need a guide and the right set of tools. So head on over to b2bleadersacademy.com to join and become the leader you have always wanted to be. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the B2B Leadership Podcast. My name is Nils Vinya. And today, my guest is Katie Pocklington. Katie, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here, chat with you, and share a little bit about my experience. I'm excited as well, Katie. But before we get started, would you share with me and for our audience the role that you're in today and the company that you work for? Of course. I am the Director of Customer Success at a company called Opal. Opal is a marketing platform that helps teams plan and execute their marketing strategies. So from ideation through to execution, we help support every step of that process. We make it visual. We really lean in to collaboration and communication. So it's been really great to work with some really big companies, small companies, and really help them kind of streamline and make their day-to-day more efficient. I was going to ask you about was the, you know, target size of company you work for, is it across the board? Or I know in the history of Opal, you guys worked with a lot of very large brands. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. We have a wide span of customers. We have a customer that has about 10 to 15 users in the platform. And then we also have a customer who has over 600 users in the platform. So it is very customizable. We dive in really deep, have conversations about each process. So we configure it based off of the team and number of users. So it's really kind of based off of that. Yeah. And it's all about, you know, planning and executing marketing campaigns, function, the whole entire thing. So when you're talking like 600 users, that's like 600 marketing professionals and people related to marketing professional to make campaigns work. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. So it's all about from briefing all the way to publication, all of the steps within all of the different people that touch it really trying to streamline that process to make it as efficient as possible. And we all know that in the marketing world, there is a lot of in the weeds, there's a lot of detail. And so our goal is to give time back to allow those individuals to be more strategic. So the more we can kind of put into process, into the platform, makes all of their lives a little bit easier. Okay. So just curious across the board, I know that I'm sure there's a lot of consistency in terms of that process, right? As you said, to give time back. But how unique is each company's marketing process and kind of their flow? Are you just a generic platform that you can customize your own custom flow? Or are you a platform that says these are the most important elements of a marketing campaign and we've already set up the templates to give you guys some time back? Like, where do you fall? Yeah, a little bit of both, honestly. The 
the nice part is we've been around the block. We've had a lot of conversations with customers from the small ones to the big ones about what works, what doesn't work, where are their biggest pain points, where do they spend the most time. So we've been able to do a lot of the digging and a lot of the templates and a lot of the groundwork to say, this is what likely will make you most successful. This is where Opal can play. This is where we will help you excel. So we can kind of lead them into that conversation, let them know kind of best practices, things that we've seen, get ahead of the curve in a sense, especially when it comes to change management to help those teams. But because the platform is highly customizable and surprisingly, a lot of processes are different. Even though the the idea of marketing is the same, they're all trying to accomplish the same goal. How they get there is very different. So we definitely take a unique approach in doing discovery and having those kinds of conversations with them up front to make sure that we serve them properly. But you have the research and all the years of working with your clients, big and small, to be able to lead them in your conversations. And I love that because that's what the value, a big part of the value of CS, and I'm sure your team is, is being able to advise clients on how to get the most amount of value out of the solution. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. And sometimes it's more about making them successful versus making them happy. And in that moment, that can be a really hard conversation to have, they might not understand what they truly need or what that end goal should look like. And so being able to have that information in our back pocket, ask the right questions, kind of challenge and dig a little bit deeper to truly understand what success looks like or what that end goal should be, then we can kind of guide them in that way because sometimes they just don't know. Yeah. You don't know what you don't know. And you might have been doing something for years and not had any clue that there's a better way to do it if you want to achieve this outcome, which they get thankfully get to have conversations with your team and help shine some light on what might be possible. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Okay. So let's shift gears a little bit. And would you share with us, how did you get into your first leadership position? Yeah, so I started at Nike and worked there for about five years, was in the digital brand space, and then moved over into brand marketing. And that's where I really fell in love with the idea of storytelling and the consumer and understanding kind of what made them tick. And I was extremely fortunate enough to have a manager while I was in that brand marketing space that really opened up doors for me, challenged me, asked me a lot of really great questions and made sure that every conversation and interaction that we had was on a deeper level than what are you doing today? Kind of what's next. And that really was instilled into me and is a lot of the best practices that I take into my team today. And at Nike, after being there, I went on maternity leave. I had my first son, Aiden, and took six months off. And it was phenomenal. It was absolutely amazing to have that time with my son. After my maternity leave, I went back to Nike and realized that it wasn't everything that I wanted it to be anymore. I am so thankful for all the experiences and travel and skills that I learned while I was there. However, I didn't feel like I was getting that day-to-day challenge any longer. I wasn't really able to move the needle in a way that I wanted to. So I took a step back and I was like, I sat down and asked myself what I truly wanted and where I wanted to see myself. And that's kind of how I made my way to Opal. I actually used it when I was at Nike in that digital brand space. So that's how I knew of the company. 
and never thought I would be in customer success, never thought that this would be the next step of my career. I thought for sure that I would kind of go to a new brand, help build a brand story and all of the above. However, being here at Opal, I'm still doing that in a sense. I'm just on the other side of the fence and helping those brands build their story, find efficient ways to do it. And so I'm still kind of a part of that brand marketing, which has been really great. And here at Opal, I've been able to grow my career. I've had amazing leaders. And so I started as a CSM and then went into managing the CSM team and I'm now the director of customer success. Whew, that was a whirlwind of a, of a career story right there. It was awesome. I want to dig into a couple of things that you said there in the, in the beginning. You mentioned it at Nike. You had a manager who helped open up doors for you and help to you know, ask you much more powerful questions than the generic surface level stuff that a lot of people can get by with. What was it about that experience that changed and made such a big impact on you? Like, Why was that individual so formative at that point in time with the work that you were doing? Probably could have gotten by with virtually anything, but why did that have such an important impact on you? Yeah, he took the time to truly understand me as an individual. He also took the time to work with me in the areas that I needed to kind of grow my skill set in. He was honest. He kind of sat down and talked to me through ways he would have approached it or ideas that he had for me to become more confident in public speaking or creating presentations or working with athletes, things like that, where he could have just sat by and let me do it the way that I was doing. However, he saw an opportunity for me to be better. So he took the time to kind of foster that relationship. And also at the same time, he gave me responsibility. And so that was also really powerful that he trusted me to take on projects and work with him and trusted that I would complete it and that I would do it to the level that he would as well. And that also kind of helped me obviously build my confidence and really allowed my skill set to grow because he wasn't standing over top of me. He wasn't making sure that I was checking all these little boxes. He kind of gave me the path to run and obviously was there to support and check in. And that has always kind of been the way that I've approached conversations with my team and giving them room to test things out, to really expand their skill set and have that conversation has been really important to me because if I wouldn't have had that conversation with my manager at the time, I don't know if I would be where I am today. I mean, this is that alone, right? That that approach that this manager took with you had a almost transformational impact on your career. As you just noted, like if I hadn't gone through that experience with that individual, I don't know if I'd be doing what I'm doing today, right? That is, you know, just one incredibly powerful example of just how much of an influence positively or negatively, the leaders in our lives play. Right? And we spend more time with them at work than virtually anybody else, even our families and significant yep. others. <laughs> working, right? yep. And I think it's, I mean, it's just very thankful that you had such an incredible experience. I know, you know, lots of people have had different experiences, some positive, some not so positive, but the impact is there regardless, right? Exactly. The change that it instills in you and what you want to do and where you want to go, like that's going to be there. So it's up to you as a leader to make that choice. Would you agree? Yeah. I absolutely would agree. And the fact that 
him and I are still close. He continues to check in and he's always there as kind of a sounding block, a, just a resource for me. And that is something that I will never take for granted. The fact that he's moved on in his career, I've moved on in my career. However, we have built a relationship that we know we will continue to foster. And I'm always going to learn from him and hopefully vice versa. You're right. The amount of time that we spend with our leaders at work, especially if you're traveling, all of those things, little conversations, the extra time that a leader can take can really pay off for that individual down the road. I don't think very many leaders know that that extra mile, that extra conversation, just creating space to listen is vital for those employees to really blossom. Right. Or on the other side, completely fall apart and not want to work at that company anymore. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Right. I've had a single conversation with a leader in the past and in my life, and it completely cut the emotional tie I had to that company. I no longer, literally no longer wanted to show up and work for that person. And it completely destroyed what we had been working towards for several years, right? And it was just one conversation. That's it. Seemingly benign, but in the context of all the things that were going on, it was a pivotal moment. And ultimately it changed the trajectory of what I was doing. And, and, you know, he just kept on doing what he was doing, but it was an incredibly powerful conversation. So, you know, To Katie's point here, you have the ability to positively impact, (laughs) to my point, you have the ability to negatively impact the lives of the individuals that are around you. And as a leader, I think it's one of the greatest responsibilities. I think it's one of the greatest opportunities, if you will, because having the kind of impact that manager had on you just means the world to people who believe that that's a great thing to do. I want to ask you about the the responsibility. You mentioned that it gave me a lot of responsibility in for you know taking on projects that were perhaps outside of your comfort zone or things you hadn't done before. Is there a particular project that you remember? It doesn't have to give us specifics, but a project you remember where you know this was something you were going to take on. He trusted you to do it, but it was something you really weren't sure about and hadn't done before. What did it feel like in that moment and how did you get through that particular situation? Yeah, there were multiple. However, the one that stands out the most, we were actually in London on a work trip and we were putting together this massive experience, this large CrossFit experience. And he was the brand director on the event. And I was actually still in the digital space at this time. So he wasn't even my direct manager in this moment. And we were setting this all up. There were kind of all hands on deck. And in that moment, things were going wrong. A lot of times it happens like that. And we all kind of leaned in. We're like, okay, what do we need to do to get this across the finish line? Who can go do this task and this task? And we were kind of dividing and conquering to make sure that we could all be successful in the end. And without a hesitation, he kind of looked at me and, and said, can you do these three things? And I was like, yes, I'm happy to step up and help you with this and take that on. And in that moment, I realized that it was kind of a make or break for me. I felt like at that moment of like, this is a huge opportunity. He's looking to me and trusting me to do this on my own while he works on 15 other things. And that was kind of the moment that I had to stand up and I had to really have confidence in myself that I could do it. And was able to complete the task, came back, the event was massively successful and everybody 
kind of beaming reviews all around and no one would really know from behind the scenes all, everything that was going on. But in that moment, that was kind of the pivotal time. And thankfully, I got to be his direct report a couple years down the line. And there were multiple other scenarios where he gave me the responsibility of tasks that were either outside of my day to day. And he did it because he knew that I was going to grow, and I was going to learn and I ultimately was likely going to fail in certain situations. And failing's okay. You learn so much and you grow so much by failing and redirecting and going after it again. And I've kind of lived by that ever since. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. I'm curious about the level of responsibility that you felt, right? When this individual said, can you do these things? And maybe you had not done them before in this in this particular situation overseas or in another one. What changed about the level of responsibility you felt in those situations versus I'm sure you've worked for people in the past, whether it's before Nike or their bosses and things when, you know, it was kind of like you need to do these tasks and there wasn't really much to it. Like, how did the level of responsibility that you felt to deliver change when it came from an individual who supported you, as you described, very thoughtfully and gave you time and, and support versus, you know, in another situation where perhaps you didn't have as good a relationship with your direct boss and might have gotten some tasks or projects to work on. I'm curious for the different level of responsibility you felt to ultimately deliver for those two different scenarios. Yeah. In that moment, I knew that to grow my skill set to take on this new responsibility, he had to have saw something in me. And I had to have kind of projected a, a positive kind of response. And it was at that moment that that responsibility was going to either kind of move me forward in my career, or was going to show that I wasn't willing to be a team player and kind of take things on. And because he approached it in a positive way, and because we had had conversations prior and we had a fostered relationship, I was willing to take on a little bit more, maybe a little bit more out of what was expected of me because of the work and the foundation that we had laid prior to. And I think that is really important is if it was a relationship where it was always a take, 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 or I need this from you, or this is your job and you need to stay inside this box. My response may have been different in that moment. My response may have been, I can't help. How do you want me to do this? Can you give me the the play-by-play and then I can execute versus me just taking the, the task and doing it the way that I did? So it definitely depends on the conversation and foundation that's built prior when it comes to taking on that additional responsibility for a leader and wanting to help them succeed. And at the same time, you're succeeding. Love it. That's perfectly explained the power of a foundation, right? Without it, you know, if you have a service level relationship dictated by tasks and, you know, projects and mundane stuff, you're going to get surface level performance and response. Yeah, absolutely. If you have a strong foundation, based on, you know, care and understanding, empathy, you know, growth, longer term discussions, you're going to get all that back in return. And I think there's sometimes a misconception when individuals are, quote unquote, not performing in their role that, hey, oh, this person just doesn't have what it takes to be successful here, or a lot of assumptions can be made. 
But I think, you know, more important is to look back at what kind of a foundation have you laid as a leader or have the individuals on the team experienced if you're not directly managing them and you're perhaps looking at a problem going on inside an organization. What's the foundation that's behind this? What's it built on? Is it a house of cards? Is it built on authority? Is it built on trust? Is it built on growth, coaching? Like, what is it built on? It's Every foundation is built on something. Some of it just happens to be more sustainable than others. <laughs> yeah. It's the foundation and the space to continue the conversation. It can't be a one and done. It can't be, oh, we've we've connected. We're, we're good and we'll just move on. It has to be a continued fostered relationship to really encourage that that responsibility and the, the output over time. This is a great point. You, you can't just all of a sudden ask for miraculous performance and expect to get it. You can get miraculous performance, but you got to have a foundation that supports miraculous performance. And I think that's a piece that you alluded to here by one of the core underlying principles of what you said is they took the time to understand me as a person, took the time to get to know what I was really good at, what I wanted to do, where I wanted to go. And time is that crucial element, which helps to build a foundation, but this doesn't happen overnight, right? It takes long periods of time, which is why we have to invest as leaders. Being willing to take that time. And be willing to take the time. Yeah. Yep. It's on top of everything else that we have going on as leaders, but it's we have to create it and and foster it and we'll ultimately see that the outcome and our our team ex- exceed afterwards. That's right. And if you're in it, you know, in a leadership position solely because it was the only way to, you know, progress in your career you're not going to want to spend the time. (laughs) If you're there for the sole purpose of enabling and developing other people and ensuring that they get promoted well beyond you and that they go on to do incredible things and they have a positive impact, then of course you'll make the time. So it comes back to the intent. And this individual certainly had the right intent. Great example. And now look at the outcome. Years later, you're still in touch with working in the customer success field, which has nothing to do with brand building at Nike. Exactly. (laughs) Couldn't be further from the beginnings. But the relationship that you had was built on trust and built on time and built on growth, which is universally, you know, transferable across disciplines, domains, time, et cetera. Incredibly powerful. We'll get back to the interview in just a minute. This episode is brought to you by the B2B Leaders Academy. The cost of not consistently developing your leadership skills is enormous. The B2B Leaders Academy features monthly leadership training and live coaching. Being a great leader isn't hard. You just need a guide and the right set of tools. Head on over to b2bleadersacademy.com to join and become the leader you've always wanted to be. Now let's get back to the interview. So you mentioned that you took a maternity leave when your first son was born. And I was wondering if you could walk us through a little bit what that was like. You were inside a big, giant global organization and you were going out on maternity leave with your first child. And then you also mentioned you came back and and decided this wasn't the right fit for you. So Tell us, walk us through what happened during that maternity leave and kind of what it was like to take a step away from building a, you know, what was a very successful career inside of Nike and then ultimately making a decision that you were going to part ways. Yeah. So I took six months, like I said previously, which at the time was, was stressful. I was like, that's half a year. A lot can happen in six months. 
However, I've had conversations with multiple other moms at the time and they were like, you will not regret it. This is, this is time that you will not get back. And I was thankfully able to take the full six months, spend that with my son, Aiden, and loved every minute of it. And at the end of the six months, I was like, I don't know. I'm pretty sure I'm ready to get back to work, have a little bit of structure to my day again, and went back to work at Nike. And I think it was only there a couple of weeks. And honestly, the conversation that stands out the most, when I went back, we had a meeting and we're having a very similar conversation that we had six months prior. <laughs> and it blew my mind that in six months, that conversation hadn't put a bow on it and moved out the door. And it was in that moment that I realized I needed to make a change for myself. And I needed to have that challenge back. I needed to be really pushed to do new things, to try new things and feel uncomfortable again. And I wasn't going to get that in my current role at Nike and in that current space. And that's when I started looking and came across Opal again and had conversations with a couple of the co-founders. And here I am today. That's that's wonderful. I mean, how many times have we been in situations? Everybody listening to this episode knows exactly where you've been, where six months later, you're still talking about the same thing that went on six months prior. And that in this case happened to be a pivotal moment. And I think it's really great to take a step back and say, whoa, 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 hold on. Like as much as I wanted to come back to this environment, and I was excited, as you said, to get back to this rhythm and routine and structure. Like, actually, this isn't nearly what I need, right? You said I need I need to be more challenged. I need to be pushed. I need to be uncomfortable. And that comes from that growth mindset, which is absolutely awesome. So that's a good marker. Sometimes we're in the weeds too much on a day-to-day basis to even realize it's been six months since we're having the conversation. In this case, you were technically not had a chance to participate, but then when you came back, it was abundantly clear. I think it's a really powerful lesson to taking a step back, whether it's a day off, a week off, or two weeks off, whatever it is, and you come back and things haven't changed, that might be a different view than what you had seen a couple of weeks prior. Yeah, exactly. It was a great indicator. And like you said, in the day-to-day, I may not have truly realized that we were in that same kind of headspace, having those same conversations. But because I took that time away and I came back in, I realized that to fuel my fire, I, I was going to have to change things up. We were going to have to to shift and while customer success wasn't in my mind at that time, the obvious next step for me. And honestly, in that moment, I was like, that would be, a, is that a sideways step? Is that a backward step? Like, that's not the, the projected next step, at least that I had in my mind. And being able to have that conversation with myself, with my husband, and realizing that it wasn't the title, it wasn't the money, it was the feeling and the foundation and the skill set that I was going to build and the company that I was going to be a part of was more important to me in that moment. And I knew that over time, the title, the money, that all of those things would come, but I wanted to be able to affect change. I wanted to be in an environment where around the table, I was asked what my opinion was. I wanted to be able to suggest things that are so far out of the box, such a random idea that they were like, 
that might work. Let's, let's think about it. Let's talk about it. And that was the environment that Opal provided me and still does today. That's wonderful. It's fascinating that, okay, so you go from brand building and the marketing team using Opal at Nike to then joining, you know, what was a dramatically smaller organization, given that it's not, you know, a Nike being global worldwide brand, virtually everybody knows, right? And a completely different field of customer success. Yes, the the challenge that you wanted there, you wanted to improve the skill set, take on risk and all that kind of stuff. But how did you navigate the, I'm going to go back to being an individual contributor on the customer success side, a function I have never done before, although you've been on the other side and had used the tool. But what was the mind space you got into when in the first beginnings of Opal, when you were taking a step back, knowing that the long term was going to be better, but in that moment, it's hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was really hard. And it was a lot of internal conversations that I had to have with myself on putting my pride aside and being willing to try something new and potentially failing at it, which was stressful with a brand new baby. All of the things that are like on this side of my brain, I'm like, are telling me no, but in the same time, I'm like, okay, customer success. It is about relationship building. It's about kind of helping individuals be successful. It's about process. It's about all of the things that while it's not building a brand, I still am passionate about. I still love communicating, really identifying the why, understanding what are all of the roots behind this potential big problem. And at the time, I was like, you know what, no matter what, I'm going to learn something new. I'm going to test my skills. I'm going to grow, which will eventually can help me in another brand space. And that was at the time kind of where my head was. This is what I'm going to try now, but it will help me when I get back into to brand marketing. It'll help me when I go to my next big thing. And not really thinking it was going to be where I kind of projected to where I am. However, after being that individual contributor and then seeing the opportunity of our team and seeing the opportunity of Opal, I fell in love with the idea of customer success and what it could be and helping build a team and build a foundation and building process around how we work with our customers. Yeah, that's awesome. And I just love that you said, you know, I'm just going to learn something new, right? As, as much angst as you had internally, like that was at the core, it sounds like, of what got you through that time was, hey, as long as I'm learning, I'm growing. And as long as I'm growing, I'll be okay because who knows if I'm going to go back to brand stuff or I'm going to go down this CS path. But I know no matter what, I'm learning something and I will be able to apply it to something in the future. Exactly. Yeah, that is what I always try to do. And from personally, but also with my team is to really push the idea of learning, trying new things, testing the limits. And like I said previously, sometimes failing and realizing, okay, maybe I approached it this way. Let's do it a little differently next time. Or that is just not for me. That's not my cup of tea. And that is okay. And surrounding yourself with individuals that will support you through that is vital. And that's what we do here at Opal. And that's what I try to do with my my team is to support them in that journey, allow them to kind of try new things and even kind of push them to try new things and make sure that they're not always comfortable and just settling in because it's, it's okay. And 
making sure that we're always trying to level level up. Yeah. I mean, that's at the core of true success, right? Whether we're talking about customer success, brand building inside of one of the world's biggest companies, you know, leadership roles here, that it's that never ending learning mindset and growth mindset and failure mindset. That's okay. One of my most favorite things talking years ago when I was, you know, in the CS leader operator seat, you know, I'd interview people and they would have varying degrees on their resume of five years experience doing this, three years experience doing that. And I would ask some questions to drill into it. And what I found a lot of times was that, yeah, there was three years of experience doing X on the resume, but it was really just hmm, six months to a year of experience once repeated three or four times. And that is the element of what we as leaders, individual or people or anything, have to constantly push. Nobody's going to push it for you. Just as you've exemplified here, you're driving that. You've lit that fire. That is something that you are bringing to your team. And if individuals are out there questioning, hey, you know, wait a second, I've been here for five years. Did I, do I really have five years of experience or have I been here for one year and just happened to repeat it five times? That's a real gut check moment. What advice would you have for someone who's in that position who maybe, you know, might have had other priorities in life and that's totally fine, but they get to a point where they realize that they have not grown significantly in a little while, let's say. What advice would you share with them to respark that, you know, fire and and begin to take a different approach? Yeah. My advice would be to look at where are you spending your time outside of work? What are you investing your time in? What books are you reading? What are the areas that you are interested in? And how can you take that and apply it to your day-to-day? How can you take that and excel at the company that you're currently in? Or what job do you keep saving on LinkedIn or posting? Or like, where do you keep looking? And take the risk, take the chance and see what happens. Yeah, that's wonderful advice. And I would echo that and and build on top and bringing in interest from outside of your specific discipline or whatever it is you do is always going to be worthwhile because it's a different angle and a different way to look at things. When I was in CS roles, myself as an IC or even up to the leadership, I studied marketing an awful lot. I was fascinated by marketers and just the whole thing, like everything you focus on with Opal and with your clients today for the sole purpose that I knew is about what I had to do as a, as a CS person or CS leader was position what I had of value right, to the individual or to the organization. I had to build a relationship. I had to get people to pay attention to me. I had to see, have them see my solution as something they could achieve. And that's a big marketing job. So there was tons of tools that are never, ever talked about in the customer success community that exist in the marketing world and bringing those in is just one example of how you could do that if you are interested in that sort of thing outside. Yeah. And as leaders, I think it's important that we even have that conversation with our team. And even if they're not bringing it up to us or if they may not even be aware of it. So for example, one individual on my team, she recently just went from the CS side over to as a growth AE. And that kind of started from a conversation a couple weeks ago where I was like, what do you think about becoming a growth AE? Like, I think you would be really powerful in this position. And I kind of went on and what was funny is her first response was, am I not performing as a CSM? Am I not doing okay in my current role? And I was like, 
whoa, no, you were absolutely thriving. You were crushing every KPI. You were all of the statistics as a CSM, you're, you're doing really well. However, I think you would grow and you're going to learn so much more in this new role. And while I don't want to lose you as a CSM, it's my job to help you grow and learn and try new things. And she's a growth AE now, and I'm super excited to, to see what she does. I mean, that right there is a perfect example of great leadership, number one. Number two, the company benefiting tremendously because that individual, one, maxed it out on the CS side. But instead of getting to the point where, you know, she got bored with the role and just could kind of do it in her sleep, now is already adding value to another part of the organization. And it was all because you took the interest, you took the time, you listened to her, you understood, and you had an idea that she might not have considered ever. And she may not have even thought about it, but then she did. And all of a sudden the pieces started to align and in a matter of a short, you know, few weeks or a month, she's already in a new role and thriving and probably going to have a much longer journey and time horizon at Opal than she would otherwise. Yeah, exactly. So fostering, really thinking forward, making, encouraging the team to think forward and having that conversation over and over again. So it's not just at year in reviews. That's not the only time that we should talk to our team about growing and learning and kind of expanding their skill sets. How do we have that conversation every three months? Because once a year is too late, we're going to lose team members. They're going to find other opportunities, other leaders to follow. So I think it's our job to continue that. Yeah. The world moves way too fast to have a that kind of level conversation once a year. And if you haven't had that conversation in the last three months with your team, it's probably a good idea to have it now yeah, <laughs> or very, very time. soon. <laughs> All right, Katie. So last question here. Mm -hmm. um, let's say you could go back in time and sit down with your younger self, perhaps of those early Nike days. And you know everything that you know now, all your experiences personally, professionally, and you could sit down with your younger self. What advice would you share? I would tell my younger self to not take myself so seriously, that perfection is not success and to take the risk. I think so much of my early career was about perfection and trying to make sure that I always operated in a, in a certain way and didn't make mistakes and kind of lived by the book and did what I was told. And I mean, it was great. I would have probably grown a lot faster, tried a lot more and had grown my skill set so much more if I challenged the status quo, if I broke outside the box and I took risks a lot earlier. Yeah, that's wonderful advice. Well, Katie, it's been a blast spending some time talking with you about leadership today. So many incredible stories, experience, wisdom. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Can't wait to see what all of you and your incredible team at Opal continue to do. So take care and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a blast. Thank you for listening to the B2B Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd welcome you to subscribe and give the show a five-star review. You can see the show notes and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at b2bleadershippodcast.com. As always, I'm Nils Vinya, and I hope you'll join us again next week. Take care and have a great rest of your day. This podcast is brought to you by the B2B Leaders Academy. The cost of not consistently developing your leadership skills is enormous. And the B2B Leaders Academy 
features monthly leadership training and live coaching. Being a great leader isn't hard. You just need a guide and the right set of tools. So head on over to b2bleadersacademy.com to join and become the leader you have always wanted to be.